Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Just a bump. Bump. <laughs> right to the mat. Ah. Why not keep going back and forth? You got an ass like an amphitheater. It begins with a U. It ends with an A. There's a meal dish out there. Monday Night Raw, number one. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. Whilst the other Cultaholic lads are sleeping off those big, heavy, foodie hangovers. No, it's not Thanksgiving in England. It was just a very heavy Thursday. We are here via our Icoprow-powered DeLorean back in the hazy early to mid-90s where WWF is as lost and full and and confused and angry as a post-Thanksgiving dinner person. And who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, the reigning once again cultaholic heavyweight champion Tom Campbell. I am with the bear in the big blue bar cage, the man who is to everybody who knows him and loves him, the head pen of cultaholic, the people that don't like him give him a pencil, which he proceeds to push up their nose because he doesn't need a pencil he gets it right every time he is justin henry and he is off of america what's going on champ oh mate it's good to be the champ once again it's good to be alive right about now it's nice to once again have on my shoulder the cultaholic heavyweight championship belt fyi um if you are one of the beautiful people who voted for Ross to get covered in treacle and feathers. Congratulations. Your wish comes true on the Cultaholic YouTube channel tomorrow. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> what the hell, the hell is treacle? Oh, it's tarring and feathering, but we didn't want to use tar because it would burn the skin off a man. So treacle uh, thought... is, the, is the sensible other option. I thought it was like a heroin reference. Like You, 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 know, you want to say it because it might trigger somebody. Well, mate, you know what? It's one of them things where if uh, it, 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 I would, if you've ever tried treacle, it's very much addictive, but for a very different reasons. It's very Moorish. <laughs> Moorish, you say? Incredibly Moorish. How was your Thanksgiving, Justin Henry, from off of America? Um, it was very consumptive, which was the plan. That's what you're doing it. It's like a dress rehearsal yeah. for Christmas. Yes, you watch a lot of football. You eat a lot of food. You give your blessings, and then you eat more food. <laughs> Do you have turkey? Had a lot of turkey. Get in, lads. Get in. And are you, are you coming out of a food coma now as we speak? 
Uh, yes, just slightly. We're recording this on a Friday morning. So I have two things working against me here. One is the fact that I spent all day eating yesterday, which with no regrets, mind you. <clears throat> but also, I, I watched this particular episode of Raw on Monday night because I had a busy week ahead of me. And I wasn't going to have time last night to watch this because I'm just going to be like, uh, more so than usual. Mm-hmm. So... So I watched this show more than three nights ago. I mean, I have my notes, but it might seem a little bit um, distant to me. Like, oh, yeah, that happened. Mm. It ain't going to be as pristine, but we shall soldier on and do our best, I believe. We will do what we do, my friend, because that is why we are here, to do exactly what we do. Dave, know what that means. It's one of the most the most lazy catchphrases I think I've ever heard me say. Where and when are we, Justin, this week? Well, this aired on Monday, May 9th, 1994. It was taped 13 nights earlier at whatever the hell Green Mountain State is in Vermont. <laughs> Incidentally, on this particular night in Memphis, Jeff Jarrett is live and in person, because obviously we are taped this week. Jeff Jarrett <laughs> is live and in person in Memphis attacking Jerry the King Lawler. And oh, no. feud is building in Memphis there. Jerry Lawler uh, spoke to Jeff Jarrett and said, hey, look, if you've got an issue with me, why don't you take it up with me at Raw? Even mentioning the WWF in, in Memphis. Uh, this is leading up to uh, Jeff Jarrett's teaming with Dream Machine. There's a reference. Mm-hmm. To take on Jerry Lawler and Eddie Gilbert. That is like the most Memphis match ever. <laughs> it is so Memphis, isn't it? So Memphis, it flipping hurts. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're missing is Bill Dundee and uh, Jackie Fargo. Oh, Fargo will probably be ref. <laughs> Fargo's always ref in those things. Uh, the only other notes of notes uh, for the from the Wrestling Observer for this particular week uh, is Dave Meltzer writing, expect Jim Neidhart, Papa Shango, and or Brian Lee in WWF by the end of the summer. Neidhart is expected to get a major heel push. Indeed he did. Uh-huh. That's exciting. Yeah. <clears throat> Getting those youngsters in. And actually, it's two out of three because uh, Papa Shango didn't quite come back by the end of the summer, but he would be there by year's end. Oh, there we go. So that's the lay of the land for uh, for this day in 94. Uh, Over to Justin Henry, who is going to guide us through an episode of Monday Night Raw. Well, quick note real fast about Papa Shango. Uh, Obviously, in this period, he comes back as Kama, the Supreme Fighting Machine. Mm -hmm. But... But, you know, he was supposed to come back as Shango. Do you know why? Why? Well, we're going to jump ahead a little bit here. When Bob Backlund ultimately turns heel and he snaps on Bret Hart, they were going to have Shango as the cause of why Backlund snapped that Shango had put a curse on him. What? But Backlund had gotten so over with his crazy old man routine, they decided, you know what? He doesn't need Shango for this. <laughs> that would been amazing. Shango put a curse on Backlund? <laughs> Yeah, causing him to act all out of character and do crazy stuff. That'd be phenomenal. Really upset they didn't do that now. Sort of a puppet master kind of thing. Yeah, that's brilliant. Ah, oh, what could have been? What could have been? Well, listen. Well, at least it wasn't, you know, Shango as, as a pimp guiding back on. That would have been awkward. That's true. Uh, that's true. I mean... I, I, I'm, still, I'm still excited about the idea of Backland and Shango hanging out <laughs> together. That's too cool. Well, Backland should join the Nation of Domination then. 
Oh, that would have been even even better in in all the wrong connotations. But Backland in the nation, and with nobody references it, there's Backland in the nation of domination. Well, we all have our goals. <laughs> so we start off this show with the very shouty challenge that Earthquake made toward Yokozuna. Let's go one on one determine who the real big man in WBF is. Start the show with Vincent Savage. Savage is no longer an all-time great, Tom. He's now the one and the only Macho Man Randy Savage. Does that make him more or less likely to get a match? Uh, less likely because now all he is is a Cobra Clutch Slam because that was Billy Gunn's finisher when he was the one. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. What a time that was. Yeah, well, we'll cross that bridge in six years. <laughs> we're still doing this show. I'm dying next year. I don't think, I, I don't think it'll be me. <laughs> No, 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 Shango's going to bring you back. Oh, is he? Oh, get in. We're just going to have another Tom Campbell a la Kendo Nagasaki. It'll just be, it'll be, and Tom, like, from next year, like, it'll still be Tom and Justin doing it, and they'll, and you'll hear my voice, but it'll just be something slightly, <laughs> the, there'll be something slightly different that nobody can quite put their finger on. <laughs> yes, it's, uh, so if, if you want to audition to be Tom Campbell, it doesn't even matter what your nationality is, what your accent is, just, you know, tweet a tweet at us and let us and let us know that you want to be the new Tom Campbell after January whatever twenty twenty when twenty when Tom ultimately passes away. Yeah, that'd be great if you could. Oh, the only qualification is you need to be a gobshite. That's the only real qualification <laughs> you need. So wait, if you're champion when you die, can I have the belt? Yeah, mate, of course you can. I'll post oh, it. To you. I'll post it. To you. <laughs> I'll just message Adam. How many times have you been champion? <laughs> <laughs> he held the belt on the news this week. Oh, that's nice. I let him hold I, it. <laughs> I want to hold the heavyweight belt in a picture. Big deal. Did you? I have not seen this picture. Uh, it's an old Polaroid when I met Dwayne Gill 20 years ago. Oh, mate. That is that is a class act that you're hanging out with there. Absolutely. One of the greatest pre prelims of all time. One of the all-time greats. <clears throat> Speaking of, back to Randy Savage. On tonight's show, we have Yokozuna on the King's Court. We also have Razor Ramon versus Quang in a King of the Ring qualifying match. And that's when Savage lets us know that he's so confident in Razor that he says, heads he wins, tails he wins. Yeah, this was a weird bit of dialogue where he was like, he's in the King of the Ring and he might win, but also he might not win. Oh, sorry, my episode of Monday Night Raw, which I just going to have cheekily playing in the background, started with some noise on. Apologies. Yeah, it was a weird line where he was like, heads like, he's in the King of the Ring, but I also think he'll be the Intercontinental Champion one day. So, heads he wins, tails he wins. It's like, well, no, he could lose the King of the Ring and lose his shot at the Intercontinental title. He really does speak in riddles like he's Jim Morrison. Yeah, really does. Don't know how I feel about it, <laughs> to be honest. He's like an Alice in Wonderland character. That's a good. That's a very good analogy, actually. <clears throat> so we start off with Razor versus Savi. I mean, Quang. <laughs> hey, how about that? Razor and his future best friend. I wonder if he knew it was him. Oh, that's true. Because they would hang out loads, wouldn't they, down the road? Oh yeah, Savio came to his defense as his old friend, Puerto Rican legend Savio Vega. Yeah, they <laughs> called him that. Not, not me. Do they not call him one of the all-time greats? Not just yet. Oh. He, he still had to wrestle, that's why. Oh, that's, oh, yeah, once he stops wrestling, then he becomes an all-time great. Yes. So Razor, uh, he, he gets pyro for this match in this very, very, very small venue. Isn't everybody getting pyro tonight? It seems like they are. Even the enhancement talents. 
Yeah, feels like. Well, if, if we do, we don't see it because they're normally already in the ring. Not usually. It's, uh, well, I mean, it's, they're on a budget. It's 1994. Fun so fact it's... about Quang, um, he, uh, Savio Vega still has the mask. Apparently his kids really? like to run around the house wearing it. Really? Yeah, isn't that adorable? Well, my dad was Quang. I do the same thing. <laughs> it's true, actually. I wish my dad was Quang. I'm happy with my dad, but I just wish sometimes he was Quang. If your dad was Mantar, wouldn't you wear the giant fur head? Oh, all right. Okay, which wrestler would you like to be your dad? Haku. Um, <laughs> you can't because he's my dad. <laughs> Haku is everybody's dad. Oh, I'm your daddy now. Dude's just foreskin as a tarp when it rains at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, <laughs> Mental imagery. Da, 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 da. Man uses a live rattlesnake for a condom. Oh, he probably does though. <laughs> he blows. He blows bubbles with beef jerky. Have, anyway. we just, have we just invented Quang facts? I feel like we've just invented Quang facts. No, this is Haku. <laughs> oh, sorry, Haku facts. I mean, <laughs> well, actually, uh, all three of those are actually Bill Brasky facts from Saturday Night Live, but I've attributed them to Haku for this for this imp impromptu bit. Nice, nice. We won't tell him. So anyway, Savage pulls a complete one eighty. He swerves his ally Vince Russo and says he's picking Quang to win this match. Why? Why did? Is it? Is it just because it's too obvious that Razor's blatantly winning? So it's like, I'm gonna be different. I'm calling for Quang. Oh no! I, oh no! I figured it out. You see that bit at ringside where Savage was being all spasticky. He um he picked Razor, but that was taped 13 nights ago, and Savage doesn't remember what he said there. Oh. He just, so he just sat down at the in the studio. He he, he put his uh steak wrap down. But it says, all right, what are we doing this week? <laughs> so, so, so this commentary you hear is being recorded on this on this Monday that it aired. And finally he sits down and just, <laughs> I think Quang's going to win this match. If it just oh. has to roll with it. It's, that's, that's, that's tough times. <laughs> there is no quality assurance here whatsoever. There really isn't. Like, in this day and age in wrestling, like, every there there is so much... Uh, attention to detail that you simply oh, do not get anymore. Not all the time, but <laughs> quite a bit of the time. And, and and here it was um lacking. Oh, very we much learned, so. We also learned Iris defeated Scott Steiner over the weekend to qualify for the tournament. And that's it for the Steiners in this company. They are gone. So that's the last time we will hear of the Steiners. Yes, they're now ancient history as far as this company is concerned. Oh, jeez, really? Yep, IRS beats Big Papa Pump, and that was that. <clears throat> so, we get this unusual spot where Razor knocks Quang to the outside, but Quang, despite taking hellacious bumps, jumps right up, climbs back to the apron, only to get knocked down again. This happens three times, but on the fourth time, Quang evades the strike and throws Razor on the top rope. So... I think Quang invented the current indie run of no selling. 
I quite like. I mean, they they sold this at least like it was a big deal. By the fact that Quang was like he, he was resilient, he rolled, he got knocked out of the ring, got straight back in, fell out of the ring, got straight back in. Like they were, they, they liked that little aspect of it. Well, yeah, because Quang's supposed to be, uh, he's supposed to be this infallible ninja warrior. But um, <clears throat> yeah, he's uh, he has a very low ceiling, Quang, as we will soon learn. I, I couldn't find much about the origin of this character because I don't think he played this character anywhere other than the WWF. Right, they just wanted to have like a ninja, they had a ninja type character, so they said, "Hey, Sabio Vega or TNT, as he was known in Puerto Rico, he throws great spin kicks and all this stuff. So let's just put a mask on him and call him Japanese." Well, it, it wouldn't be our character for the company at this point to take somebody of a different origin and pretend they were Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> I think the new great contest is going to be a scavenger hunt where you you, you have to find a, a Japanese wrestler who wears a mask who actually is Japanese. <laughs> and spot which one it is. Go. Okay, we start with Sasuke. Um, Hayabusa. And I think that's it. <laughs> I'm down for this. Was Super Delphin actually Japanese? Somebody help me out. Oh, good shout. <clears throat> Let me check. I have a funny <laughs> feeling. Okay, the new qualification is is they have to wrestle in the United States as a Japanese wrestler under a mask. Kato? No. Super Quen, Delphin no. was from Minnesota. I'm kidding. He was from uh, Osaka, Japan. I was going to say, was it, it, was, it was Demolition Smash. <laughs> oh, no. Or, he, uh, he was definitely from Japan. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Japanese wrestlers who, right. American companies who employ Japanese wrestlers who wear masks. So we know it can't be Quang, can't be Kato, can't be Jamie San, which was Jamie Noble under a mask. Oh, of course. That was that was an interesting time with the young dragons, as they were then. As soon as, as, soon as he talked, it was a dead giveaway. <laughs> hey, yeah, we're gonna kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. Where are you from? Over there? <laughs> I'm from Osaka. <laughs> I'm from Osaka. <laughs> God bless Jamie Noble. Love him. Jamie by God Noble. Jamie by God Noble. Jamie Noble, boy. <laughs> so back to this wonderful match with uh, Jamie San Sr., a.k.a. Quang. Well, it could be related. We don't know. He was choking Razor, and Razor made, made this are you kidding me face. Which I think is actually the graphic for the match on the um, on the network. It could be wrong. No, it's not, uh, the graphic for this for this um, match is. Oh, well, I can check because I've got it open in front of me. I feel like uh, no, it's been it's, three nights. It's just Razor Ramon like swagger into the ring. Okay, that's that's fair enough. I could have sworn this is what it was. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Oh, I was thinking of that Jarrett spot from a few weeks ago where he had Razor in the sleeper. Razor was like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah, that I remember mm -hmm. that one being a thing. Yeah, Frazier's look of annoyance is his way of selling people he doesn't want to sell for. <laughs> I'm annoyed by you. This is this is selling. Like, all right, I guess I'll just do the spot then. At this point, it's noticed that Frazier has a spot of blood on his lip, and Vince promises we you know we'll go to wide shots if if it gets too bad because because we know kids are watching. Can you tell somebody was <laughs> under the gun at this point? Oh, there's, hey, do you know what? There is a line later on that is so on the on the on the head, on the nose, that it is like somebody is very much being watched. 
I'm sure you'll point that out because uh, at this moment I, I cannot remember what that is. I've got it written down, Mon Frere. Fret not. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> Vince notes that Razor broke his match and sorry, broke his nose in the match with Diesel. So I have to ask, why is nothing covering his face then? He has a broken nose. It's a good point. I mean, good. He should have some kind of protection on for it. Like the Undertaker wasn't too shy to wear protection for his nose when he broke it. And that's the Undertaker. Well, that was worse than the nose. But that was his, that was his orbital bone. That was much worse. Oh yeah, I suppose it was. It was a lot worse. Almost had his eye socket crushed. Like you know, we've got a, a whacking, um, uh, whacking wild. Formerly TJP. No, no, sorry. Formerly DJZ, not TJP. Uh, Joaquin Wild, who is uh, still out of action in WWE because of issues with his orbital socket and around that area. So the, to be wrestling through that is something else. Yeah, and not everybody can wear a fan of the opera mask and have it work as part of their character. <laughs> it's true. Yo, Chico, watch me play the organ. I mean, that'd be quite nice. Razor Ramon in front of the opera. John! <laughs> Phantom of South Beach. <laughs> John, Phantom of South Beach slash Phantom of the Opera, please. Thank you. So, so Razor makes a comeback. He, Quang gets great height on a choke slam. For a guy who's his bottom heavy as Savio, he, he, he's being extremely agile. And Savage at this point yells, Where do these guys get the energy? It's been a 10 minute match. <laughs> It's, it's, it's like, you know, we've seen guys wrestle for 40 minutes in the Royal Rumble. We've seen 20-minute matches. We've seen 30-minute matches. And, and Savage is acting like it's the most amazing thing he's ever seen in his entire life is two men wrestling for 10 minutes in a grueling battle. He's... Like there's, he's, I mean, it's it's becoming like a, a trope to talk about like Savage mm. going off on one because it is mm. that it, it is so common in this day and age. But uh, it's he just. I wonder whether he thinks before he opens his mouth these days. I really do. I think the direction here is they're trying to indicate that you know they want the audience to know just how great what they're watching is. So by having Savage go, ooh, this is amazing, maybe they'll believe it. Yeah, I guess it's, you know, you, you know, um, what's the phrase? Fake it till you make it. This is the here comes the airplane version of uh, commentary. <laughs> it looks really good, this match. Just as good as me and Steamboat years ago. <laughs> Open wide. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's an image. John! <laughs> oh no. John, he needs strict guidelines for this one. John, we'd like uh, Savage feeding Vince uh, <laughs> like he's a baby in a crib doing Here Comes the Steam Train. <laughs> or Here Comes the Airplane, even. <laughs> Hi, John! Um, I remember there was a DVD. It was a WWF 50th anniversary DVD or WWE 50th anniversary. Jake Roberts is one of the talking heads on it. And he was so, like, impressed by improved technology that every time they came to him, he was always, like, gobsmacked by having his brain. Like, what the hell? We have seven cameras? We have TV trucks outside? It's like he's impressed by little things. And that's what Savage is like here. Like, wow, an arm bar. How's he going to survive this? <laughs> I mean, I'm all for making moves seem far more impressive than they really are. <laughs> but like let's let's be reasonable here 
<laughs> a chop to the chest, call the coroner. Let's exercise a bit of brevity here. Let's, uh, exactly. It's good, but it's not great. <laughs> there's spoon feeding and there's hitting somebody in the head with a shovel. Yeah, there's a lot of shovel feeding going on here. We go right to the finish and Razor tries to clang it for the Razor's Edge, but there's a little bit of an issue. And he's trying to herk Savio up and well, it doesn't go right. They both go down like a ton of bricks. But the second time they get it right, and Razor, he doesn't do the simple fall forward version of the edge this time. He just bombs Savio down. I think he was a little annoyed. He just absolutely clatters him. Uh, he, yeah, he's. Is it? Do you reckon it was that first struggle for the Razor's Edge? Was that him legitimately struggling with the Razor's Edge? Do we think? It's possible. I mean, Quang's a heavier wrestler. I mean, he, 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 he may have been out of energy, as Savage might have indicated. Yeah, I didn't know whether it was a, a deeper a deeper cell than we were giving it credit for. I mean, it, it is a hard move to do if you think about it. You're trying to get a guy over your shoulder like a 250-pound man and uh, just trying to steady him and then pick him up in that death drop. So, I mean, yeah, it could have been effed up, but they recovered well. <clears throat> but Razor, yeah, he had, he had like a thunder fire power bomb just to finish it off with like and blow the finish mic but razor <laughs> but razor wins he's in the tournament of course he is it'd be foolish to have a king of the ring without him making an appearance he is genuine one of those stars that feels right for the king of the ring especially in the early days of the tournament yeah Sp speaking of king of the ring we go to the king of the ring report oh. that is a <laughs> And that is a bitchin' satin jacket on Todd. Oh my god, this this guy looks more like part of my language. This guy looks like more like more more of a wanker than normal, in my opinion. <laughs> this is something about him that every week is becoming deeply unlikable. You sound like Scott Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon got the right idea. He got out. Always, always, did. always bumped. I can't tell. <laughs> Scott Shannon sounds like Jack Tunney was locked, Joel. <laughs> Scott Shannon <laughs> in the morning. So um, we learned that Bam and Bigelow is, is in the qualifier next week facing Sparky Plug. Thurman Sparky Plug? We're still calling him Thurman at this point. Well, it should have been Sparky Thurman Plug for STP, but they never got it right, and it just oh. never worked. <laughs> oh. It's close for no cigar. I want to see Bayman versus Hardcore Holly. What kind of hard-hitting match that would have been? That would have been actually very... Did we never get that ever? No, because Bayman's gone at the end of 95 and Sparky's still the race car driver at that point. Ah, uh, fair enough. Oh, that is a shame. Yeah, they, they, they'd have battered each other. Oh, yeah, just in you know, the year 2000, you know, you know I'm going to break your effing jaw, Bob Holly versus Bam Bam. <laughs> they, oh, they'd have been welts. It would have oh been yeah, horrible. for sure. And they and they both would have loved it too. Yeah, they would have they would have easily got the best match either had with each other out of each other. <laughs> Pretty much, winner gets razor. <laughs> and call me a cynic, but I'm thinking Bam's winning that match. It certainly feels like Bam Bam might be going over there. <laughs> and, and Todd is um Todd's putting over the relevance of the King of the Ring tournament. He says it catapulted Brett to the WWF title. Say what now? <laughs> oh, I've been a revisionist history here. I loved it. Loved it. Yeah. Hey, it, it catapulted Bret Hart to a belt that he won before the tournament. 
Not only that, but when he won the tournament, he was immediately diverted into a feud with a 43-year-old territorial star <laughs> who insulted his family. And we never got the payoff because of legal issues. So he had to segue back in the feud with his younger brother who hadn't been pushed ever. Unless, unless Todd Pattingill is talking about the untelevised uh, King of the Ring tournaments. Okay, well, in that case, he was Intercontinental Champion and did win the big belt for 11, for 13 months. Fair point. <laughs> Not so much a catapult, more sort of an escalator. <laughs> yes, more of a clearing of the brush to make it easier down the line. <laughs> and, and it's at this point that we learned that we're getting a match for the ages. And by ages, I mean over the age of 40. <laughs> when Jerry the King of Lawler was going to wrestle Rowdy Roddy Piper in a match I would have loved to have seen in 1984. But this is 1994. Oh, I can't wait till we do this. Watch what, along. What do we think of the bottom line with Roddy Piper? Okay. <laughs> oh, here we go. All right, listen. I love the hot rod. To me, he's the greatest heel of all time. He's in any top five speakers in wrestling history, top five promos in wrestling history. Piper is a certified legend. One of the all-time greats. One of the all-time greats. I don't know what the hell this is supposed to be. <laughs> this is a disheveled man in his... It is... It is trailer uh, in his trailer just ranting <laughs> now now bear in mind when we say trailer we don't mean that he's living in a trailer park like jamie noble's character like he's filming an action movie called tough and deadly <laughs> and he's hanging hang out he's hanging out in his trailer watching wrestlemania 12 i mean 10 <laughs> seriously, seriously it's on in the background yeah yeah it was um was it was it the Bigelow match that I saw? Yes, he was. A, he, he was watching uh, that match. And by the way, uh, Piper's co-star in Tough and Deadly is Billy Blanks, the guy behind Tybo. No. Yes, I'm looking at it right now. Oh my god! It was released on video on in February of 1995. And <laughs> I'm assuming it was hoid straight into video and not into stores. Uh, yes, it was straight to video. I've just pulled so, it up myself now and I'm just taking a look. We've got <laughs> I had wait till I tell you what Piper's character's name was in the movie. Please tell me it was like Matthew Tough and and Blanks was James Deadly. <laughs> well Blanks' name was John Portland, which okay that's kind of action in ish. Roddy Piper's name was Elmo Freach. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. It's as if somebody went, what's the worst name we can think of? Elmo Freach. At this point, was Elmo a character on Sesame Street? He certainly was. He was, wasn't he? He was two years away from tickle form. <laughs> and a day away from retirement. Is... <laughs> I'm looking at the cast here. I see Destiny from Baywatch Nights on here. And Kramer's lawyer from Science Alta character in the movie. <laughs> Really? Oh, jeez. It's uh, quite the uh, quite the litany, then. This, this is, 
it does play into my love of D-level actors. But yes, Phil Morris and Lisa Stoll are both in this movie. Is there a plot for this? Was there a plot in the first place? Okay, the the plot for this movie goes as follows. Elmo Freach is a private investigator and was contracted by John Portland, a CIA agent who suffers amnesia, in order to reveal a dubious case of drug smuggling in which are involved big fishes of the CIA and from Washington. I'm looking at it, and that is grammatically <laughs> jumbled. There was another film that they were both in called Back in Action. <laughs> they were in a world that they, that they didn't create. <laughs> Roddy Piper is Elmo Freach <laughs> in the sequel to Tough and Deadly, Back in Action. <laughs> is he oh, – or is he in Back in Action – According to this, on the IMDb, Roddy Piper plays a character called Frank Rossi, and Billy Blanks plays a character called Billy. Wow, that's a tough stretch. The Piper-Blanks combo was so hot, they made two films that year. Well, hopefully Tough and Deadly answered all the questions that were left unanswered by Back in Action. I hope Tough and Deadly gives all the answers to questions set in Back in Action. (laughs) Just to confuse matters. We should watch this for one of the watch-alongs. Oh, do you know what? I think we are overdue watching, like, a film from this era starring some wrestlers, and I think it should be one of the Piper's films. How about Mr. Nanny? Ooh, you saucy minx. That's quite a nice idea. <laughs> well, actually, the holidays are coming up. We should do uh, Santa with Muscles. Santa with Muscles would probably make more sense to watch along together, I think. Okay, <laughs> but what I'll tell you what, while we're at this junction... Uh, just to let you know that uh, myself, Justin Henry from the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review, and Matthew Gregg from the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown Review are coming together over 12 days of Christmas, uh, where we are going to be watching back some of our favourite disaster pieces in wrestling and uh, offering some commentary tracks whilst we do. And you'll be hearing those very soon over Christmas. Yes, we're very excited to be watching some of the worst in wrestling or. In Matthew's case, he selected one match that's really good, but somewhat infamous. Oh, that's a little <clears throat> teaser for you. But yes, we're just going to have some fun riffing on some of the lighter side of wrestling, so to speak, and the not-so-good of pro wrestling. And we hope over Christmas that you enjoy some of our... Uh, you enjoy some suffering with us. <laughs> if you're going to suffer over Christmas, we will suffer with you. Exactly. So back to Piper here. He's very <laughs> subdued and possibly tired, which could be... You know, read between the lines if you wish, but... Yeah, they've what, done, what do they have done the whole um, edgy static to go between takes. So this wasn't done in one take. So they've made it, like, look quite arty for that reason. It may have been, it may have been out of necessity. Mate, I've got to say, these, these this vignette just looks so dodgy. It's like... This is like a video that you would send to the police with demands. <laughs> Like something out of eight millimeter. It is. It's just. It looked and it's just little things. I think you go from like the polished production of WWF to like, hey, Piper sent us this, and like you can hear the camera whirring, and and Piper's not mic'd up, so it's, it bounces off the walls a bit. Like he's scatty. It's just. It's just really. It's quite scary, actually. I feel like he's, this guy's not all right. He's scatty. I know, right. <laughs> what does that mean, scatty? 
As in, like, you know, he's a bit all over the place. He's, uh... Oh, okay, okay. I was going to say, like, like, he was flinging poo. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, scatty means something very different to that. It didn't mean, it didn't mean scatolo- okay. not scatological. Okay, okay, gotcha. Or Scatman, who was the one that sang... And then Jack Nicholson killed with an axe. <laughs> well, that happened. It was in a movie. It did, it did. <laughs> So anyway, Lawler apparently went to a, a children's hospital and taunted sick kids. <laughs> what? Now I'm I may be a cold-hearted cynic here, but I would have rather seen footage of that than this. He called them little brats, and do you know what? I'm gonna gonna come across as a as a heel here, but being ill in whatever capacity doesn't give you a free pass. <laughs> Well, I, I have some friends who have been ill, and they have been absolute nightmares. Yeah, how dare they get sick? Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> no, 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 no. They were like, <laughs> they were nightmares to deal with, and they were just generally crappy people. And then they were like, if they've ever been poorly, they're like, you're still crappy people. I'm not saying these kids were all brats, but I'm sure there was one being, you know, a bit of an ass. And I'm sure there was one. I'm sure there was at least one being a bit of an arse. <laughs> Just saying. Big love to the kids in the hospital. So, so yeah, Sherry Lawler is, uh, he's taunting these these poor souls. and So Piper's going to fight him. And he's going to donate all of his winnings to the children's hospital if he wins. So that kind of telegraphs how this is going to end because this is 1994. And this company needs all the clout it can get. <laughs> So Piper says, I don't take no dives and I don't do windows. <laughs> Is he a cleaner or a wrestler? He's Kenny Omega. Hey! So, so after Piper's unfortunate tirade comes to an end, after in which he says he's given all of his winnings to the kids. I'm glad you saw this as well. I'm glad you saw this as well. Go on. Todd, Pen- Todd Pengel then says, we hear a portion of the winnings are going to the... Like, no, are you... Piper's backtracked. <laughs> <laughs> Piper's gone, have all my money. Oh, actually, no, don't, because I need some of it. Upon consulting with his loan shark, Piper decided that only a portion of the winnings... <laughs> we understand that Piper spoke to his creditors, and uh, <laughs> he's, not, he's not allowed to give all his winnings, because some of it has to go to, to them. What Piper meant to say, according to his attorneys, is that he couldn't possibly give all the money away. <laughs> Thing is, right, I, I don't know where the... I, I'm assuming that... The, although we obviously they were filmed separately and not, and one not saw, one didn't see the other, but somebody must have proved... Somebody must have proved this. Uh, well, I mean, as NWA Power has shown us, sometimes things can go under the... Under, under the uh... <laughs> Under the radar. I was going to say, I don't think we will ever see a blunder like that in a pre-taped wrestling show ever again. No, especially not 25 years later when uh, technology has improved. Oh, and... yeah, technology is so much better now. You would not see a mistake like that ever happening again. And, and, and with the improvements on quality control and such, and well, you know. Wow. <laughs> so, still to come, according to Todd, another Undertaker sighting. It's like... Why would you throw it out there like half-ass? It's like a missing person who's been missing for four months has apparently been spotted somewhere. 
and you're saying still to come another Undertaker sighting. But first, this message from Meineke. This is like, it's like this is big news. You wouldn't say, well, we may have found Jimmy Hoffa's body, but first, this word from Minute Maid. It's like prioritize. It's so funny. Like it's just like not interested at all. I know this must be a big deal. They found someone who's been missing for four months. Well, actually, according to this. Undertaker was spotted that same day in Osaka, Japan, when he wrestled uh, in that 18-man Royal Rumble match on WF's tour of the, con- con- tour of the company. <laughs> country, I should say. He also wrestled Jinsei Shinsaki earlier in the show. <laughs> Undertaker versus Hakushi in Japan on the same day that they're just saying, yeah, we may have found him. No sh- <laughs> I almost said a bad word there. <gasps> no spit, you found him. Hey, good recovery. So we go to Crush versus Raymond Roy. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Oh. Now, Savage was odd here. <laughs> here. <laughs> More so than anywhere else, just because. Um, hasn't he feuded with Crush Loads? Yes, they had a they had a had a literal blood feud in which Crush shattered Savage's jaw by dropping him face first on the guardrail when he turned on him. I can only assume he's forgotten. Because he seemed well, I mean, pretty cash about about uh, about him being out there. Well, yeah, you think Savage would be trying to you know tear his throat out, but he's being a good boy. He's maybe he's medicated. Who knows? Speaking of medication. Vince brings up the fact that Crush is feeding with Luger, <laughs> as Crush is making his entrance, and Vince tells us that Luger is drug-free. He owes me a new soda. <laughs> I like. He was just talking about how great Luger was, like saying, "Oh, he's great for you. He's this. He's that. He's other." And he said, "Drug-free." <laughs> and he's like, "It's amazing. It's amazing you can get that body without drugs." And I'm like, yes, it is amazing if you can get that body without drugs. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, let me know when that happens. Jeez. So, so on the nose for everything that's going on at the moment, isn't it? Just to shout, oh, by the way, we're drug free. I literally had a mouthful of soda when he said that, and I was spitting everywhere. <laughs> so, just, 
<laughs> it's it was a good line. So Ray Roy, or Roy Ray, whatever he's supposed to be, almost scores the upset, and Savage at this point, but apparently sat on a, a thumbtack or something because he screams, "I would have jumped through the ceiling and crushed lost that right there." Yeah. That's just oh, that's just Savage coming back into his own, knowing that actually I forgot I feuded with this man for ages. Yes, he snapped back to reality at the right moment. And Crush dares to make this match interesting by hitting this amazing super kick, hitting Ray Roy right in the face. It's, it was uh, a damn good, it was a damn good it, kick. It was a good drop kick. Yeah, I think it was, it's, you know, with a, with a show that has only had a mention of Thurman Plug, but not a feature of Thurman mm. Plug, I thought it was my favorite drop <laughs> kick of the show. But what follows is an amazing move. Even more amazing than the super kick, albeit for different reasons. Tom, you're a Simpsons fan, right? I am indeed, my friend. Remember the episode where Homer went to Clown College to become become crusty? Yes, I do. Remember he went to Milhouse's birthday party, and as he's pulling into the front yard, he crashes into the tree. There's like a pregnant two-second pause, and then he flies through the windshield. Yep. Crush chops Raymond Roy here. There is a pregnant pause. And then Roy's like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to bump, bonk, right to the mat. <laughs> it, was, it was such a lovely little moment because it was just like, I think he looked like he was about to, like, lean forward and, and take, like, a wounded forward bump and then stopped himself halfway and then just threw his whole body back. Like, oh, it's one of those. Whoa. John, this is a challenge, but if you can get Raymond and Roy flying through a windshield, <laughs> Good luck with that, John. Would, we believe in it would you. Be the most, it would be the most unique Photoshop in the history of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it was not a good move, but it made me happy. Savage says on commentary, I can do without listening to Jim Cornette, that's for sure. Oh. Timely. Incredibly timely. I was like, <laughs> don't worry, mate. <laughs> Only another 25 years. Yeah, this is uh, there's a lot of treasant stuff on this show. <laughs> Heart punch finishes one of my favorite moves. While Savage is too busy plugging the Friday the Thirteenth movies here on USA and and bungling the numbers. Friday the Thirteenth Part V. <laughs> you think anybody like the weird thing is wrestling taught me Roman numerals. Yes, yes it did. I learned Roman numerals because of wrestling. I'd have assumed that Savage would have gone along with it too. He lost his world title at WrestleMania V. <sighs> no, he lost it at WrestleMania... Oh, it was WrestleMania V, so he won it at <laughs> Ivy. He uh, he uh, lost it at V. And then he won it again at WrestleMania VIII. <laughs> oh, yes, VIII, where we saw the last of Hogan forever. Yes, Jason Before WrestleMania IX. Yeah, yeah, Jason. Here was me. Ix Hogan goes to hell the final Friday. <laughs> Hogan can go to hell for all I care. Um, you mentioned there that the heart punch is your favorite finishing move. Well, not my absolute favorite, but it's, it's a damn good move. Okay, why? Because it's unique. You, you punch a guy right in the friggin' heart. It just always looks a bit crap, in my opinion. I've never seen it delivered particularly well. I like the idea of it. Like, punch you in the heart. Done. 
Well, it was better in Friday Thirteenth Part VII, or sorry, <laughs> VII, when Jason punched a hole through a guy's chest. That would be if that was the heart. If that was the heart punch, that'd be flipping brilliant. I don't know. Crush's move set is just Jason Voorhees' moves: the head crush, the torso punch. It is. It is actually just his standard moves, isn't it? He's pretty much shitty through a guy's forehead who's in a wheelchair and then push him backwards down a staircase. <laughs> For t- <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be a better finisher than the heart punch. Of course, it was Sean Cena kick out him, too. <laughs> but anyway, we go from that bit of greatness to this bit of greatness. He took the dumpster Tracy vignette. Oh, I love this. It's like a Southpaw vignette. <laughs> It did, isn't it? This is this is a Southpaw regional wrestling vignette, like complete with like beautifully arranged uh, gimmick all around the thing. Slow camera zoom in on Drosy, and then lines about like you know, there's no obstacle, there's no mountain, da 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 da. And and my favourite part, an animated name card with sound effects. Yes, the trash can tipping over and everything spilling out. <laughs> it was so good. It's Mojo Rawley in a early '90s baseball player's mullet playing a trash man. I, for one, am excited for the debut of Duke the Dumpster Drosy. You are. Yeah, why not? This feels fun. <laughs> I love the non-committal happiness. Like, ah, what the hell? I'm feeling I know. charitable today. Let, let me let me watch him and then be disappointed. But for now, I'm like, yeah, go on. Bring him on. You could, you could describe so many things with this company by saying that exact sentence. It's true, actually, to be fair. We then come to my favorite part of the show. And you either cried during this or you related during this. Um, and I'm not sure which. So you you, you got to tell me. I, um, okay, with this particular bit, <laughs> I watched it. I, I, I was shocked for a minute. I laughed thinking, I don't remember a doink heel turn. <laughs> And then the reveal, and I thought, why did no one else do that? So. Talk us through Jerry, it, Justin. Talk us through it. Okay, we have, we're up on that classic interview podium that me and Gene always used to stand on back in the day. This is from Superstars over the weekend. Jerry Lawler is interviewing Dink the Clown, which sounds exciting as, 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 as exciting as it sounds. Vince informs us that Doink was allegedly on vacation when Doink suddenly arrives. What kind of vacation would Doink the Clown go on, by the way? Uh, he would go to Clown Cutter. You are a terrible man. <laughs> Thank you! Uh, so... <laughs> Definitely so, didn't write that down. <laughs> out comes Doink holding two pies. Doink in full Doink regalia. Things happy to see him. Lawler's shocked to see him. Doink's threatening the pie lawler. And when then suddenly, after after teasing and teasing and milking the moment, he smashes both pies right in the Dink's face. Then he pulls out silly trick and starts spraying with it while Dink is rolling around, possibly tearful. Come on, you, you had to laugh at this part. <laughs> <laughs> I've wanted to do this for six months. <laughs> oh, this is funny. So... And so Doink starts dancing in, in a somewhat uncharacteristic manner of Doink. I'm hoping it's just Matt Bourne back. <laughs> but no, he, he pulls off the mask part of his head covering. They reveal long flowing blonde locks because it is Jeff Jarrett. 
and the greatest thing Jeff Jarrett has ever done besides besides hit Mula in the head with a guitar. <laughs> yes, he's like was on vacation as it turns out. At Boca Raton or wherever, we're still wearing his clown makeup. When Jarrett pulled a fast one on Dink and left him covered in all sorts of crap. So it was not a doink heel turn, it was a Jarrett face turn. It, it was, a, I thought it was excellent. Like, really well, well put together. Great promo by Jarrett. This was, this was brilliant. I was a big fan of this. I'm just surprised no one's done it before. Yeah, I mean, well, maybe. Well, see, what happened was Jarrett was backstage raring to go when Sean walked up. I wanted to know why he was doinked now. And it was very awkward, and thus no one wanted to do it ever again. Why'd they make you a doink? <laughs> you know that story, right? Yes, I do. This is where um, Shawn Michaels uh, was a little bit out of his tree. And um, <laughs> he saw Chris Jericho disguised as doink backstage. Yes. And he was like, why are they making you do doink? And Jericho tried to explain several times. Um, and Shawn wasn't getting it. Yeah. So <laughs> that's it. That's I don't like story. it. I don't like it. They never should have made you a doink. <laughs> And speaking of doing, why was Rey Mysterio doing at Survivor Series? <laughs> I don't know. He was doing. Was he? Well, he's, he's supposed to be, uh, supposed to be Joaquin Phoenix's uh, Joker, but looked more like doing. <laughs> the, that was it, right? Because that my reaction there was the reaction I gave on the on the reaction stream, in the sense mm. that everyone went, "It's blatantly Joker." I was like, "No, it's blatantly doink." <laughs> <laughs> See, they should have had um, they should have had uh, Dominic come out also dressed as Doink and, and have him do the uh, Man in the Mirror thing they did at WrestleMania Nine. <laughs> That'd have been amazing. Okay, fair question. Would would Brock Lesnar in clown makeup be the scariest thing ever? Who? Um, I reckon not as scary as Braun Strowman in clown makeup. Especially if it was like happy, like, I think all happy and silly, and then. And then he sneers at you. That coming at you in the middle of the night. <laughs> You're going to get the seltzer water. <laughs> well, sadly, Dink didn't quit the company in shame because he's here for this next match. Doink versus Mike Terrence. Here's the thing, right? I, if I would, there's a story they're missing here. Like, Dink should be incredibly untrustworthy of Doink. Because, yeah, really. Like, he's been, because he's been tricked once. And who's to say this isn't another trick? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, they kind of just brushed that aside, even though it was a great angle, and moved on with Dink being happy again. Because I guess if he's sad long term, it might, it might make the fans sad, and sad kids aren't going to watch the show. But I guess I don't know. I mean, I was ten years old, and I thought that was hilarious because <laughs> I, I hated Dink. You really, you really did hate it, didn't you? Mm, I still do. <laughs> not, not as much, but still do. Vince tells us that Jeff Jarrett wants to use every wrestler in WWF. Well, I mean, it works for Vince. <laughs> Mike Terrence, by the way, looks like a full-grown Marco stunt. I was trying to look him up, but I couldn't find anything about him. Maybe he is Marco stunt. Yeah, maybe he just shrunk. <laughs> Marco shrunk. Yes. Maybe him and Dink had some sort of body, you know, body switching experiment or whatever. <laughs> they, they both dragged to a lab against their will and then boom so anyway Dink gets involved he he, he, he beats up 
Terrence himself, but there's of course there's no DQ because Danny Davis is incompetent. That's been an issue for at least eight years at this point. Savage seems to be angling with a few of Jarrett during when Jarrett calls into the show because Savage wants to do anything other than sit at the commentary desk. Jarrett's phone call takes up the um, most of the duration of this match. He's kind of just mocking Doink. It's, it's not a bad heel promo, but it's kind of boring. But then we get the finish. I thought, actually, Jarrett was probably the, the most articulate and concise as any caller to this commentary desk has ever been. Like, in terms of, like, it sound, he sounded the most up for it. He got the points away that he needed to get away, and he did it before the finish. That's true. Although, I got to say, it is it is the best phone call since the 123K called in almost a year ago. And one note, if Razor's challenge was, if Razor was offering cash instead of a check, <laughs> that was funny. Wait, is it cash? Really? I remember, actually, that bit was particularly good. I'd forgotten about that one. Because that is the mark of a man who has been in the business long enough to know that you can't trust a promoter with money. <laughs> Cash, really? So then Doink goes for the finish. It's the whoopee cushion. But now there's an add-on to the move. And that's going to make you very happy to talk about this, Tom. Oh, okay. I... Will you start? Well, yes, it's... Uh... Doink hits the flying sit-out senton, known as the whoopee cushion. It's been his move for some uh, time now. Uh, hmm? It's annoying, isn't it? When someone puts a sound effect over the top of what you're doing. That's true. <laughs> I was just, just adding that in. I thought maybe you stepped on a Lego or something. <laughs> I was making a fun clown noise. <laughs> yes, it is the sound of flatulence, a la an actual whoopee cushion if someone were to sit on it. And Vince tries to put it over as being, um, you know, cutting edge and funny, and well, it's really not. It's it is it's this is daft, and and I don't mind daftiness daftness in wrestling. I was just like, oh, okay, that's fine. I, I gotta say, it is very hard for me to you, you know decry this one. Just two nights ago, I was laughing at Marker Stunt versus a turkey. Yeah, I mean, I'm Marker Stunt. I, 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 that's it, isn't I, it? Like, I, we're so Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy. I knew who you meant, though. I find yes. it, it's we are constantly. Um, what's the word I'm reaching for? Um, hypocrites. Hypocrites. We are constant hypocrites because we'll we will decry the whole. Oh God, a sound effect as he does a whoopee cushion. But we're like brilliant. Joey Ryan's flipping men with his Johnson. That's fine. Exactly. We are hypocrites, and we're very aware of it. That's all a matter of taste. It's like, you know, making fun of all the stuff in wrestling and, uh, you know, maybe you've, uh, I'll stop there. Maybe just some people who criticize wrestling today may have been, may have, may have done some stupid angles in their time and been involved some kooky characters in their time. And, uh, all of a sudden now they have a problem with, uh, goofy wrestling, but you know, that's, we're all hypocrites to some degree, aren't we? I think we are a little bit. Yeah. We go from that bit of silliness to a bit of seriousness. As we look at earthquake as a sumo wrestler back in the day. When he, he narrates this little video when he said he was 24-0 as a sumo. He's, it, was, it, was, it was the best record of any foreigner. His name was Kodo Tenzan. So he has a lot to prove in WWF as we see photos and footage of him clean-shaven, which is very weird-looking, just as a dominant sumo in Japan. I really liked this. I thought this was a really, really good way to uh, represent him. 
I think it just it, it gets it gets over like him as a dominant sumo wrestler in in a really yes, concise way. Like he's on the cover of magazines, so he must be good. Yes, he's a dominant athlete, and and you're showing you know the human side of somebody as opposed to having them say you know kill somebody snake and then make hamburgers out of it. Or any of the other silly stuff that Quick may have done in this past. And also, and also, away from all of that, how weird is it to hear John Tenter talking in an inside voice? Oh, yeah, because usually he's shouting all of his promos. He's, he's a big, scary man. All of his promos are him going, I'm the earthquake, and I tell you, blah, 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 blah. And he's here going, and I was a sumo wrestler for a while. Like, Whoa, it's weird. <laughs> I mean... That isn't to say that you know his promise when he shouts are bad or anything. Oh no, no, they're great, men. and they're, and they're they're like a palate cleanser on a show like this to have the old shouty '80s promo. I love them, but um, it's it was just very strange to to hear him talking in his inside <laughs> voice. Well, I've always, I guess I was kind of used to it because I've always heard R.D. Reynolds talking about what a great man John Tenta was, and you know how just how, how nice and how friendly he was, contrary to the core earthquake character. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about John Tenter. Yes, I mean he made he made Koji Katao stand down and back down from a fight. So that was that was one good thing. Was that the shoot match? Was that the match that was started that was becoming a shoot and Tenter just took him down? Yeah, and then Katao decided he yeah he didn't want any smoke. That <laughs> was that was it. He was going to he was he was, he just stopped playing along, didn't he? So John Tenter went all right, Sadia. I realize Gattel's a big man himself, but John Tenta is six foot seven, weighs four hundred fifty pounds. Why would you start something with him? I just uh, you have to be a bit poorly in order to think that's uh, that's a that's a sensible thing to do. I, I look at who the smallest guy on the roster is and try to start a fight with him before I start a fight with John freaking Tenta. <laughs> You're there kicking off a dink, aren't you? Yes, I am, and I'm probably gonna, I'm probably going to lose anyway. <laughs> So we go to the King's Court of Yokozuna. This is the rebuttal to the Kota Tenzan video we just saw. Lawler insults Piper's movies. He's, other than they live, he's not wrong. Yeah, it's true. It's true. They are they are awful films. And you, if 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 Lawler's doing this to get himself a little bit of credos, I mean a little bit of heat. Um, nah, mate, I'm kind of with you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe Hell Comes or Frog Town's kind of a gray area. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, body slam. Yeah, make fun of that all you want, <laughs> or any of the crappy action movies he's made since. I'm, I will guarantee you this though. When we watch Piper versus Lawler in about six or seven weeks, whenever it's going to be, I guarantee you that Piper's fight scene with Keith David from They Live will be at least forty-five times better than that match. And if you've seen They Live, you know it's the best fight scene in movie history. <laughs> so Cornette puts over the athletes of today which is kind of interesting he, he's, he says he puts Quig over as an athlete which is doing the right thing as a heel you don't you don't cut the baby face down you, you put them over how great they are but you but you insinuate or you insist that your guy the heel is superior which is what Cornette does here which is a great bit of old school storytelling that you, you don't often see. You don't just, you know, run the other guy down. You say, you're great. You're a great sumo. You're undefeated. Undefeated is a foreigner in Japan. But Yokozuna, he is vastly superior to you in every way. 
that's getting both guys over. It is, isn't it? It's so good. Like it's simple stuff like that. And it's, I think Cornet, I think like, and this is what's annoying about the whole Jim Cornette thing is that when he's not being <laughs> Jim Cornette, um, he's, <laughs> he's actually an incredible mouthpiece for a wrestler. He is, he is talented and versatile and helpful in so many ways. And it would, it would be sad if his legacy in the business was, especially among this generation, is being how people see him now. And that'd be unfortunate because I've talked to Jim a few times. He's been nothing but gracious to me. I've learned from talking to him. I, as a historian of the business, there are a few greater than him. Yeah. With his with his recall and his storytelling ability. It's... I wish him the best, obviously. Yeah, I, you know, I'm. I just want him to be happy and not offensive. It's, it's, it's too much to ask. Cornette does say at one point, "I'm bilingual." And the Lord goes, "I've heard that about you." Let's <laughs> uh, see where they were going. Oh, man. He says Yokozuna is the best, that, best that one can be at sumo because his name indicates it. Yeah, because Yokozuna literally. Because Yoko literally means grand champion. That's nice, because that's never been really made overly clear to the audience. So it's yes, nice, it's like and, and knowing where we're going with this, it's nice to drop that in. Yes, it's like, it's like Yokozuna's like, all the time has been like his surname, like he's Carl Yokozuna. <laughs> yeah, that's how it feels, isn't it? But there's actually some much deeper meaning to it. He looks like a Carl. <laughs> So Cornette proposes a sumo match between Yokozuna and Earthquake for next week on Monday Night Raw. Take the ropes down, have a sumo match. Are you excited for that match, Tom? Do you know what? I am. I'm. I'm looking. It's just. It's something different. And there's there's something. I don't know. I don't know whether it'll be any good. I mean, it could be. Uh, could be appalling. But uh, there's something about it <laughs> that I just. I like the idea of it. It could be appalling, but I like the idea of it. <laughs> oh, I thought that was. A good way to put it. I'm. I, are you not buzzing for it? Oh, well, I am because because it is novel. It's something off the beaten path, and that's what this show needs at this point. It's off the beaten path, and in a way that's productive, not whoopee cushion sounds. So yes, I'm excited for the sumo match between these two behemoths, Yokozuna and Earthquake. Yeah, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. <laughs> We get some Undertaker sightings. We talk to some laborer out in the field who says, Taker was sleeping in some trench they dug because it was six feet deep, apparently. I like how they're insisting to, they insist on continuing with these things. Now, have you noticed that in, in each of these vignettes, which apparently Taker's been seen all over the world, these are global sightings, possibly at, at the very least nationwide sightings. Why does everybody have a New York accent? <laughs> only only New Yorkers can actually see the uh, can actually see the Undertaker. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I, I uh, went out to lunch and I came back and boom, there he was, right there in the can, in the grave. I, I couldn't believe it. Undertaker was right there in the open grave. I was trying, I was trying to eat my sandwich and I'm hey, with my coleslaw and rye and rye bread and then boom, Undertaker gets up. He's like, hey, hey, I'm the Undertaker. I'm like, oh my god, you are the Undertaker. You know, I mean, what's up? What's up with that? These Undertaker things are getting really tiresome. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, can we can we find it? Can we find a top of the top of the line TV detective to come and find the Undertaker now, please? No, 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 Tom. You don't want that. You you, you don't want that. 
trust me, you do not want that. Because <laughs> that would just it has potential to be disastrous, and you don't want to do that. Do you reckon? I'm sure it would be perfectly good. Well, I mean, I I suppose if you had good writing and maybe some solid ideas, you know, you, you just as long as it wasn't hacky and one note and. If it was ambitious, I could see how it would work, but I don't think they have what it takes to make it work. So I'm hoping they just don't turn this whole thing into a farce because that would just be stupid. Well, let's hope it doesn't happen. <laughs> right. Let's, we'll just, we'll just cross our fingers and hope for the best. And speaking of the best, here comes Mabel. <laughs> Mabel versus Mike Bell. One of these two had a documentary made about him, and it was not Mabel. <laughs> it's very true. One of them exists on Netflix. Yes, it's a very sad look at, at the physical breakdown of a professional wrestler, Mike Bell, made by his brother. It's, yeah. um, it's very harrowing, actually. Mike Bell passed away about a little more than 10 years ago, I believe. It's a, it's a bit of a it's – a, it's, a, it's a heavy watch. It, it really is a heavy watch. It is, and, and Mike Bell's had his share of, uh, or actually had his share of rough moments in his career, and it's very sad to see how he turned out. On, so. a, dif on a different note, on a, just to yes. slightly just, just change the gears up a bit from that, uh, I would mm -hmm. ask you the question that I pitched to Matthew on, uh, the, uh, on our sister program presentation, the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown Review. Okay. Uh, in which uh, Viscera is currently very much featured. Uh, Nelson Fraser in his Viscera role. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. Let's do a tiered list for Nelson Fraser's characters. Okay, so what are the choices? We've got Mabel, right. Viscera, Big Daddy V, King Mabel? Uh, King Mabel is different to Mabel, so that's another one. World's Largest Love Machine Viscera. Okay, so we have Scary Viscera, World's Largest Love Machine Viscera, and Big Daddy V. That's what we're going with here. Uh, is that your god tier? Uh, I haven't made the list yet. I'm not okay. what the options are. Okay, so okay, so we've got all right. So we'll start with ours, which is Mabel, which is M, M O M Mabel. Okay. Um, King Mabel. Okay. Then we have um, Mabel returning at Rumble '98, <laughs> Rumble '99. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> then we have Viscera. Mhm. Mm then we have World's Largest Love Machine Viscera. Okay. Then Big Daddy V. Okay, so I'm ranking six of them here. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm going to go King Mabel number one. Okay, okay. I'm going to go with the world's largest love machine second. Nice. Middle tier, upper tier even. Because he, he once had theme music when he entered the cafeteria at a show. Did he? He did. He, he did, didn't he? And I know it happened a couple of times. There was, there was one, there was one where like Mama Benjamin was backstage. Yes. And she bent down to pick something up, and she spent ages sort of bent down trying to pick it up. Viscerous music hits, and he stood behind her, like grinding and giving it, like, giving it all some. Oh, it was hilarious. Viss was shooting a shot. <laughs> he really flipping was. So that. He's number two for that reason alone, because if you have a few so when you enter enter an eatery, you, you're cool in my book. <laughs> Three is Mom Mabel. Um, 
So what's left here? Viscera, Big Daddy V, and I'm just going to leave Rumble 99 Mabel out because because that's kind of like a one-off irrelevant thing. But my next two are I'm, what order I put these two in? I got to put Vis next and then Big Daddy V last because it's because of the outfit with that unflattering Abdul the Butcher inspired look. I said it should be it should be bottom tier. I said bottom tier. Put it in the bin. Matthew seems to think that's god tier. Well, Matthew has very strange tastes. He really does. So I'm glad that I'm glad that you, sir, agree with me that that should be bottom tier. I'm just going with King Mabel because three reasons. One, he had a sword. Yeah, that's true. Two, he got pelted with garbage in Philly and no sold all of it. <laughs> and three, he had pretty awesome theme music. Yeah, that's a good shout. That's a good shout. Oh, plus you... the black mohawk. Oh, the black mohawk was a good look. <laughs> There you go. So there we go. I, I like the synchronicity between the Raw and SmackDown classic reviews. We've both tiered the Nelson Fraser gimmicks. <laughs> yes. This is where the two worlds cross over. <laughs> so we learned that Mabel is facing Pierre in a qualifier this coming weekend. I don't like PCO's chances there. We're just two weeks away from him challenging for the RH World title, a final battle. Is he winning it? I hope he is. <laughs> I hope the hell he is. Oh, mate, I'd be made up if PCO becomes the... I think that's what will save ROH. It should. I mean, he's an immortal monster. <laughs> as long as Jacques comes in and feuds with him. <laughs> and Savage tells us at this point that Earthquake has accepted Yoko's challenge. That was quick. Mabel actually puts Mike Bell in a scissored wrist lock. Like he's Alberto Del Mabel. He's the aristocrat. <laughs> it's a very short match. Mabel finishes with the sidewalk slam. Just your basic squash to get Mabel over because Mo at this point is injured in storyline. And, and isn't coming back for about six months. <laughs> is he really? Is that him, is that him done? Yes, he's, he's out for a long time. It was... <laughs> I may have mentioned this on the show before, but if you if you get occasion, watch the Mo versus Owen Hart match from, from Wrestling Challenge around this time, when Owen injures Mabel's or injures Mo's knee. Mo sells it like he's Ricky Morton, like like he's he's getting over the fact that his knee is completely destroyed, whereas Oscar is apparently a statue and doesn't react to anything going on at all. And it's very very, it is the two extremes of selling, putting your all into it, and not giving a damn whatsoever. It, is, it really is something. It goes for it. Yes, Mo does good. Mo is great in that angle. Oscar, uh, he wasn't earning his pay. Oscar is very much described as there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oscar is less animated than Bootyworth. <laughs> Oscar is about as animated as... As an origami swan. That's beautiful. That's, that's some nice imagery here. People come to this podcast for the beautiful imagery that is conjured. And where we fall short, John Eiley picks up the slack. John, can you Photoshop me and Justin with origami swans? Thank you, John. <laughs> so next week we have Earthquake and Yokozuna in the sumo match. I love how the logistics are already worked out for this thing. 
Yeah, that was it. Beautifully explained by Cornette. Take the ropes down. No pinfalls. It took six minutes to figure all this stuff out. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm up for it. I am really up for it. I, and if it's, if it's bad, it's bad. But I, I'm here for it. Randy Savage is curious about the outfits for the match. Yeah. What are they going to wear? <laughs> you pervert. Well, I mean, it's you do wonder because it is a sumo match and big show and um, Aki Bono a decade later did go uh, they wore these traditional garbs for the match. Still, he's a pervert. Okay, fine. <laughs> you ever see the famous Coca-Cola commercial involving the sumo wrestler? Remind me. Well, there was one in America 40 years ago with an NFL player named Mean Joe Green who's walking up a tunnel injured after a game. He's battered. He's been through a long long day of hell. He's, he's a tough guy. He's going to fight it out. And there's his kid standing there holding a bottle of Coca-Cola. And he's like, hey, mister, are you okay? I'm fine, kid. It's like, it's like, he's, he's like, you want this? Holding up the Coke bottle. Nah, kid, I'm okay. And it goes on for a little bit. He's like, you sure? Oh, you can have it. No, no, kid, I'm fine. And finally, ultimately, he takes a bottle of soda. He drinks it all in like one, one massive gulp because he's a big guy. The kid's kind of sad he doesn't have his soda anymore, so he, but he's happy that he gave to someone who could use a refresher, you know, something of them, something to refresh him. So he's like, okay, goodbye. He's walking up, he says, hey, kid, turns around, and he throws him his jersey. It's like a nice moment. Oh. It's, one of most, it's one of the most famous commercials in, in, in sports history, in Coca-Cola history, possibly. In Japan, they had an equivalent with a sumo wrestler walking up the tunnel after a match. So, so of course he's he's down to his mawashi. He's he's barely clothed. Kid standing there holding the coke bottle. It's the same deal. You want this now? And it goes on for a bit. Finally, he takes it. He drinks it all. Kid walks off. Hey, kid. Kid turns around. You don't see you don't see the upper half, but he throws the mawashi to the kid. Catch. Kid catches it. He's pulling out like at a distance while like cringing. Like I don't want this. <laughs> come on that's funny it's good i like it but barbie's going hey hey look kid know your place this is where you begin your journey <laughs> and it's like your kid watch this current of flies that's <laughs> what they do in it is you earn your, you earn your stripes in sumo by doing stuff like that yeah just like your kid just don't floss with it whatever you do <laughs> i insist that you floss with it <laughs> <laughs> Not that. And not the dance either. <laughs> so we come to the end of the show, and very disturbingly, Lawler is in the, is in the showers with Earthquake. <laughs> Quake's all fired up because Lawler's in it. Interrupting his shower time, I would be too. I'd be livid. <laughs> Having a lovely shower, fully clothed like normal. And here, mm -hmm. here comes, here comes Jerry Lawler to go, hey, you're a, you, you, you're scared. <laughs> And a quick shouts and down which Lawler sells, which is great. And that's how the show fades to black. It's uh, I, I I enjoyed it. I I thought this week was all right, you know. It wasn't the best, and there was some there was some moments in there that were that I reckon in context are bad, but are also hilarious. Yeah, but there's not really like a great indication of the, of the future at this point. I mean, it's just kind of a, a barely there King of the Ring tournament. Piper versus Lawler is a big draw of the show. No mention of Brett. No mention of Diesel. It's like we're charting over uncharted waters, and we see pirate ships in the distance. It's kind of foreboding. <laughs> it's like, like I don't think we're you were near the Coast Guard anymore, guys. It's um, 
I enjoyed the show for what it was. Razor versus Quang was nice. I'm fired up for a sumo match of all things. But other than that, it's um, I can just tell we're in 1994 and it's not going to end all that well. It's really not, is it? It's really not. <laughs> Especially King of the Ring on the horizon. Oh God. <laughs> Let's just play the violins while the ship sings. Aww. Come up with a happy song. Here's a happy tune for you to think on. Myself, Justin Henry, and Matthew Gregg will be bringing you 12 very special watch-alongs over Christmas where all oh. three of us have picked some of our favorite terrible matches. Let's <laughs> see. Oh, they're most definitely special. <laughs> they certainly, certainly are. And uh, we'll have more details on dates and times very soon. I want to do a quick plug for something I'm doing, if that's okay. That's quite all right. Uh, we are, well, as it stands, Desert Island Graps and Cultaholic Wrestling Curiosities are resting. And uh, mm -hmm. I can guarantee you that um, the Desert Island Graps series will be back in the new year. We will be starting something a little bit different uh, instead of Wrestling Curiosities in the new year as well. Uh, but check out our YouTube channel on Monday for a very special new video series that uh, I have put together with the help of some people here at Cultaholic. Oh, that sounds very lovely. Yeah, it is. You know what? It's, it'll be some wholesome content on a Monday just for me. <laughs> Wholesome, you say. Wholesome AF, my friend. Wholesome AF. But until then, he is at JRH Writing. I am at Tom Campbell. Together, we are at Cultaholic. Don't forget to join us. I love you, bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.